Are you passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created? Well, the Product Launch Rebel Podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of VentureSuperfly.com, John Benzik. Greetings, Product Launch Rebels, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. I'm your host, John Benzik from VentureSuperfly.com, the website that helps you double your entrepreneurial courage, even if you don't know what you're doing. Today is an amazing day as I'm interviewing someone many of you have seen or heard of. I'll be interviewing Mike Lindell. Mike is the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, Inc., It seems that you can't turn on the radio or TV these days and not see or hear Mike evangelizing about his product. The company has been in business for more than a decade and has sold a lot of MyPillows. Mike started the business in his garage, and in those early days, he was tired of not sleeping well, so he set out to design a pillow that would help him sleep. He spent two years coming up with a patent, Mike experienced a lot of rejection in those early years, but he never gave up on his passion to share his pillow with the world. My pillow now has a factory and warehouse here in Minnesota, and interestingly, my pillow is 100% made in America. That's so unique nowadays. He was also the QVC product concept of the year in 2013 and is the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation. Mike is proof that if you work hard and never give up, you can live your dream. And it is certainly hard to resist his enthusiasm. In fact, on a side note, my wife and I have had four MyPillows in our house for about six months now. And needless to say, we've been sleeping well. Mike Lindell, thanks for taking the time. It's a pleasure to have you here. And welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. Thanks for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Terrific. So, Mike, within this podcast, there are three segments. The first is called Give Me the Basics, which helps set the context about your company for our listeners. We'll talk about how you came up with the idea, your method of distribution, the number and types of products, the number of employees, things like that. The second part is what I call Tell Me How, where we'll get to the heart of the matter on issues that aspiring entrepreneurs want to know now to help them move forward. We'll talk more about how you launched MyPillow in some key functions of your business. And the final part is the let's get personal component where we get into some of the more personal topics about what it's like to start a company like MyPillow. Mike, are you ready for some questions? Yes, I am. Fantastic. Give me the basics. Mike, so you're a guy who has launched a pillow company, of all things. How did you see pillows as a business opportunity? Tell us the story of the origin of the idea. Well, I had had problems sleeping. I actually thought it was was weird or different, I guess, uh, would be the word. Um, Every pillow I tried out there, my pillows would go flat or I'd use my arm and I'd have sleep interruptions or flip-flop all night and uh, wake up with headaches or neck aches and I mean I had tried everything I had this pillow pile going on and I and 
So originally, I guess it was out of necessity for myself. There was nothing out there, and I thought, what you know, sleep is so important to everybody, and uh, and I just uh, um, it was out of my own necessity at first, and then I started asking people. You know, I said, you, you know, do you uh, you have problems sleeping and, you know, with your pillows? And everybody was the same. But I was laughed at by a lot of people saying, you're never going to get a patent on a pillow. And and, um, and the other half would say, boy, if you come up with one, I'd like one. So, Mike, you've been in business for 10 years already. Does it seem like a long time or has it gone by fast? Actually, it's 13 years now, um, going on 13 years. And uh, it seems like... Some it seems like it's gone by fast, but yet slow. I, I don't know how to describe it. You have uh, um, it seems like just yesterday I can put myself back in time of you know doing a, sh- a little show in uh, southern Minnesota or you know a craft show or whatever. I can put myself right at that scene, and then um, it's my expansion's been so surreal that it's uh, it also seems like time moves fast. So in a nutshell, Mike, describe what is so unique about my pillow. What's unique about it is the the patented fill. It's that's made in Wisconsin, by the way, and it's um is and uh, what it is. The one's a size. It's an open cell poly that uh, the, that I have a patent on. That you one's a size of a quarter, one's the size of a dime, and one's the size of down. So where you you move the pillow, you get exactly what you need for your own individual height. It's soft but yet supportive, so you get the exact pillow for you. Instead of the industry saying, you know, it's one size fits you all. Well, we all have different shirt sizes. We all have different shoe sizes. How dare they say that we uh, that one, one size is going to work for us all because it doesn't. We're all, you know, and that's what my pillow adjusts. You adjust the pillow to fit you rather than you trying to fit the pillow. What are your revenues right now? Uh, about, say, about uh, 400 or 500 million. That's amazing. And how many units sold? 26 million now. Congratulations! That is really something. How about the number of employees? I'm I'm between fifteen hundred and sixteen hundred employees, and uh, that just keeps going up. Um, um, I would say we're getting closer to the sixteen hundred number, which I'm very proud of. That you know, everyone being uh, most of them employed right here in Minnesota. And the types of products include what, and the number of products. Well, they're all bedding products. Any, you know, I get approached all the time by people with for different products, and and uh, and unless it helps people, I don't. I'm not really, you know, interested. It's uh, so every product I've developed with travel pillows, I've developed a bed now. Um, it helps you. It's got to have some physical gain or to help the person because the I don't make products just to sell and make money. I make them to help people, and that's where my passion's always been. The money will take care of itself if you have that passion for your for your product. Yeah. Mike, most entrepreneurs go into business with a set of assumptions, and many of those assumptions prove to be different from what they expected, thereby making them scramble to make changes to survive. Regarding MyPillow's uniqueness, did your original assumption about the product's uniqueness prove motivating to consumers, or did you discover a different selling proposition after being in business for a while and after getting some customer feedback. I, I had to um, I had to put out some over-the-top guarantees. You know, I have my 10-year warranty and my 60-day money-back guarantee because it, the, it happened so that the industry that I was in with pillows, that none of them work for people. And and that was what I was up against going, oh, oh yeah, people would come by. 
oh yeah, the next best thing. How's your pillow different? A pillow is a pillow is a pillow. That was the that was the the you know the public thinking. You know, a pillow is a pillow is a pillow because the we've been you know nothing has ever worked for us. So I did have to put some pretty some very strong guarantees out there and back it with everything I had. Tell me how. So here we are, Mike, in the Tell Me How segment of the podcast, where we aim to get to the heart of the matter regarding key issues for aspiring entrepreneurs. Mike, let's talk about raising capital. Did you raise capital for my pillow, and how did you go about doing that? If you did, no, I had, uh, I had, uh, I've never been able to use a bank. That's another story, but they, um, as far as borrowing money and. I um I was an I actually was an addict. I was a, gam- a gambler and also a, a drug addict. And uh, so I had very uh, you know I had ended up selling my bars. I had these small bars. So when I started out, I had I had um, you know some money to get started. But when I as I developed the pillow uh, with four little kids and, and and not doing nothing, just developing the pillow, I was uh, by the time I had the first prototype done, I, I didn't have anything left. And so along that entire entrepreneurial journey up to this point, did you ever raise capital from outside investors any time along that journey? Yeah, I, I did one time and they tried to take my company. So you got to be real careful as an entrepreneur that you trust anyone that's trying to put money in. And there was people that offered me money. They try. Um, and I, I guess I guess there was probably three times where I did that. And every time they tried to take my company, either one form or another, so you got to be very careful who, where you're getting your money from, or who you're, you know, just uh, make sure your agreements are signed right, and make sure you know, you know, that they at least somebody knows. And I, I think it's very dangerous to go out there blindly and and try and get capital. They'll try and take everything. Let's talk about manufacturing the product a little bit. Many companies that get into soft goods manufacturing, like you, they go overseas to manufacture the product. That is an amazing story that you decided to stay in the USA to manufacture your product. How did you approach that decision to manufacture in the USA? Well, I I had made uh, you know like I said, I'd worked on my deck. My my sons and I we've ter- tore, diff- we tried over ninety four different kinds of things to put in the pillow, and once I came up with it, I was so particular about this you know this invention and. Uh, and then when I did come, when I did, you know, get out there with it, the uh, I was approached many times. Oh, you got to bring it! You got to bring it overseas. Um, you can make uh, so much more money on it, and all this. And I'm going. I don't want that. I want, you know, I just wanted to be to make be able to make it here. And even if I made less money on it, I didn't. I know that you'd have to charge more based on overseas, but uh, I believe people like the fact that things are made here and i had to trust in that i had to trust in my instincts and i wanted to make sure every pillow that went off the assembly line was one that i would use myself and i don't i i micromanage that way i just i'm built that way and i think a lot of entrepreneurs are it's it's kind of sad that so many entrepreneurs end up giving up their invention and and uh selling out because they uh um, they don't know what to do or they um or they think it's the only way to go yeah it's so true and it's so unusual to have an inventor such as yourself end up becoming the CEO over sort of the medium term like you have and, and still manage to lead and grow the company that way. It's truly astonishing. I think I'll get into a question about that a little bit later. Early on when you were 
coming up with the product, how many iterations or prototypes did it take for you to finally get what you wanted? It was about, you know, it was in the 90s. I always say 94. I don't know where that number comes from, but I, you know, I had a journal back then and I think it was in the 90s. I tried different things. And and when, when I finally came up with it, it was like, it was amazing. <laughs> and I, and I, I couldn't, uh, the passion, I mean, it, uh, um, the excitement was just when you, when it find, when it worked, you know, that was the whole thing. Wow. It actually works. And the excitement was just uh, beyond belief. And now it was, it was, I don't know which was more exciting selling that first pillow or, or knowing that it worked. And to know that it worked, you can't right. just know instantly. You actually have to use it for some time to right, prove right. to yourself that it is working. Right. 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 And so how did you arrive at that type of fill? Did you have that fill identified early on, but not the right shapes or sizes or sort of formulas? Or, or did you try all sorts of different internal fill options? I tried all these different options, but then when I finally, I went outside of the box and with this idea and um, I was working with some engineer guys in Wisconsin and uh, I, I was, and I said, you know, what if I try this? They said, well, that won't work. I said, well, I, in theory, I think it will. And I actually tore the tore them by hand, um, you know, hundreds of pieces by hand to make that first prototype. Well, once I got that thing, that prototype, and it worked. The, one of the hardest parts was finding a machine that made those sizes. And I tried everything from a wood chipper to a um, grinders. I mean, I tried everything, and nothing worked. And then um, I had a lot of divine uh, divine um, interventions where. Um, my friend found it. He goes, well, Mike, you used to work on a farm. What about an old hammer mill? And um, that grinds feed to smaller feed and uh, like corn into smaller corn. And I said, yeah. And I, well, I couldn't find one there. The, the old standalone hammer, hammer mills are pretty much obsolete. And and here I find one about, uh, oh, it was about two months later, uh, a mile from my house out in the middle of a field. And uh I took that and re, re, uh, revamped the inside of it with knives and stuff, and I got it all done, and, and it worked. It was amazing. You know, I personally sort of like that internal fill. There's a, there's a little bit of a texture to it that, that I don't know if it's – it's probably not intentional, but it really sort of sends a unique marketing signal to the consumer, such as me, that uses the pillow, that, that it's a different pillow. You can really feel a neat sort of texture in it. It's really great. Right, right. And, the, and you know, and when I, when I invented the pillow, too, it, it, you know, if you're an entrepreneur out there, here's one of the things I can say about an invention. Put yourself in the consumer's position, and what would you like to see? What would you like it to solve? Problem, solution. And when I went to my pillow with my pillow, I, I said, okay, finally I got this pillow that you can move the patented fill. It would stay where you put it with X amount of pressure and, uh, and it would be soft but yet supportive. But then I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask people and you, you know, what they would like to see in a pillow because I wanted it to have everything. As long as I was going to invent something, why not go over the top and make it solve all the problems, whatever that, whatever that need is. And and people say, well, I'd like a pillow. So now with my pillow, if they say, well, I'd like a pillow that stays cool, my pillow stays cool. I'd like a pillow that gives me value. The average American or the average person will buy 50 pillows in a 10-year period. Well, I have a 10-year warranty on the pillow not to go flat. 
And and then I thought, well, what, well, that's not any good if you can't wash and dry it, and not many pillows you can wash and dry. And so then I spent an extra three months of my life working on it so I could get it so you could wash and dry it. And and then, well, I want a pillow that's guaranteed. Well, I put a 60-day money-back guarantee on it. So I added all these things. Those are bonuses. All the things people talk about with my pillow, they're the only thing that matters is it gives you the greatest sleep ever on this planet. But everything else is a bonus. And you have to look at it that way. So if you're going to invent something, you know, going if you make it to, to looking at it from the consumer's point of view, like you would be yourself, what would you like want in it? You know, and have all that. The money takes care of itself. The people will want it. Yeah, that's for sure. And great advice. I'm curious about the early, early days of you manufacturing the product. Let's say in the first six months or a year that you really had the product that you wanted. I, I'm just trying to think, who did the sewing? And, and what sort of facility did you have? Well, I had a little garage and um, I had to learn how to sew. I, I learned how to sew. I sewed the pillows. We hand filled them, me and my kids. And we filled them by hand and I started making little inventions. Of, we tried to make a, an automatic filler. It didn't work uh, back then. But um, but we weren't real busy because we were turned down everywhere. We were turned down at every box store. We were turned down at shopping um, shopping channels, and um, it was um, it was uh, you know you basically I'm sewing them, getting them ready, and, and testing them, giving them to my friends and family, and getting the feedback. And I knew I had something, and but I didn't know how to get it out there. Mike, can you think of any? interesting problems or issues you had as you were in the early stages of manufacturing the product. Do you remember or recall any issues that you experienced in manufacturing your own product? Yeah, I made them the wrong size. Um, in the industry, I had I thought I had done my due diligence and and uh, and here I had checked on, uh, on pillow sizes and I didn't know they count part of a gusseted pillow part of the gusset, which is the side rim that goes around a two-inch rim as part of the uh, measurements. So I actually made my pillows the first 300 when I was out of money. This is all I had was to my, the, the, left to my name, and I made 300 pillows out of all the fabric I had left in the world, and I made all the pillows too wide and too long. So they weren't going to fit in anybody's pillowcases. Wow. Yeah, that was scary. That was scary. So then I had to make, uh, to solve the problem, you got to be, you got to be very uh, reactive as an entrepreneur too, not just proactive. And 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 I was um, I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to have to make pillowcases that are bigger and sell them as a, uh, you know, this is a very special limited edition. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, you obviously tried to present the product to retailers early on. Now you distribute direct to consumer, but in those early days of selling to the retailers. Tell us a story about what that was like and sort of the rejection that you received. Yeah, well, I was turned down everywhere and I couldn't get in. Uh, you know, I went to uh, um, different places, Bed Bath & Beyond, and I walk in there and say, hey, I got the best pillow ever made and how many would you like? And and I've uh, actually told that story to their 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 um, corporate offices now. And they go, well, who was that? And I'm going, well, you know, you guys wouldn't have looked at me back then because, uh, you know, the industry is uh, – um, it's tough to get in the stores, you know, unless you go through a second party or a distributor. And um, I couldn't get in. 
And then I heard about a, um, you know, I, I didn't get, I didn't get down. I knew I had, a, you know, people had tested it. I knew I had a great product. And, and they said, well, Mike, why don't you do a kiosk? And I said, well, I don't even know how to spell that. What is it? And, um, I went and did this kiosk there in a mall and my wife at the time, she worked all the hours and, and I was making them or whatever. And we were, and she worked most of the hours, but the one day I worked, I, a guy came up to me and he said, he said, um, do you have a, um, a business card? He said, uh, I said, well, I'm all out. And I gave him a piece, I wrote my number on a piece of paper and, and, um, he took, he bought the pillows and, and he's the only one, the only day I worked there was that I gave my number out. And, and that, and we had borrowed money to do that kiosk and from a, from another guy and we lost money on it. We borrowed money on our house to buy Christmas presents that year. And then in January, it was kind of, you know, scary. I'm going, how am I going to support my family that this kiosk really didn't work? And, and, um, and the, anyway, this guy called up that I'd given that, uh, that number to, and he said, he said, Mike, he said, or he says, uh, he says, is this the guy that invented that pillow or this pillow in Minnesota, in, from Minnesota here? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, he said, this pillow changed my life. It created a miracle in my life. He says, I, and he just raved about it. And he, and he goes, he said, I also run the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show. Would you like a spot in there? And I said, I said, sure. And I didn't know about the show markets and the, and the fairs and that stuff. I hadn't even thought of that. And, and so I got in there and that was the start of something big. I mean, I, I, I sold out, I started learning how to, you know, sell to just, you know, to sell my pillow and, and, um, and I got in the Minnesota state fair and then I started doing shows for the next till, um, what actually we're doing them till we're doing them today. I have over 50 people on the road, actually more than that selling, selling, doing shows and fairs to this day. But it was, uh, what I can't say enough about if you're an entrepreneur out there, never miss an opportunity. I mean, I happened to be there and, and never, you know, there's so many divine appointments and that guy that I happened to give my number to, you know, I don't know, you look, I look back and I think, well, where would I be with all these different things that had to happen? You know, it's interesting too, Mike, I've launched a couple of consumer product companies in the past and we've gone through retailers and distributors and things. And I always longed for that direct contact with the consumer and going through retailers caused a bit of a challenge in doing that and so one of my favorite marketing models distribution models is the direct to consumer model tell me about how you initially did you start with infomercials after those kiosks well here's here's what i actually the kiosks i didn't do the kiosk then after that i did the uh um, I just started doing shows and I did them for, for years and I actually quit my addictions on January 16, 2009, which, uh, I quit everything overnight and then things started changing. I, you know, I had a lot of adversity I faced during those six years on the road and, and couldn't get in retail. And, but I was, but the one thing that kept me going was the customer being direct to the consumer. They kept coming up at different shows. I could be somewhere in Northern Minnesota and the next week I'd see them in another show and, or, and they go, Mike, this pillow changed my life. This is great. And, and that's, that kept me going. And I'm going, and then finally one day I said, you know, I, I, why don't I just make my own infomercial and do exactly what I did at the shows because everybody buys at the shows from me. And I, what I did then is I, I, I told my friends and family, I said, let's put our money together and let's make an infomercial, a half-hour infomercial. I said, it's going to be the best, the biggest infomercial in history. And... 
I didn't know that infomercials failed, or they don't, or not fail, but they don't work in the U.S. on direct sales. That's all to get in retail, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But but I'm glad I didn't know that because I might not have done the infomercial then. But they, uh, anyway, we did the infomercial over in St. Paul, and we did it in one day, and we uh, we had a real audience. I wanted to give people something they never seen before. A real audience. It was just me and a friend of mine, and no teleprompter, and. We did this infomercial, and it was amazing. And it came out October 7, 2011. And at that point, I went from five employees and my kids to 500 employees in 40 days. So that was sort of the one of the big breaks along this path. Oh, that was the big break. It was earlier that year, in, on January 2nd of 2011, they actually, the Star and Tribune actually did, a, did an article about me in the business section just this this pillow guy that you know had come up with this pillow and and it was more of a human interest story than anything but that exploded and then I started doing print ads that that mirrored that that showed uh, that was just interesting print ad that just showed my story and it was you know people like entrepreneurship they like entrepreneurship they like you know they like a good story and that was and that was part of it but that infomercial was a huge we were the number one infomercial in the world by the end of December of 2011 and and we took in millions, millions upon millions over the next six months. And uh, by the end of that, we were, I was actually in the hole because I didn't have my, I grew too big too fast, which is another problem people can have. And is that where you sort of started considering raising capital just to get out of that hole? Was that one of those instances? No, I never, I never could. There's, that's when you, people, um, I was, I, I took in a hundred million dollars in six months and I was six million in the hole. There was nobody was going to look at my pillow. There was, um, so I didn't reach out for any capital. It was very interesting how we got out of that. All these, all these companies that took advantage of me because I just wanted to keep making pillows. And so I can't say enough about really look at your direct costs and your indirect costs when you're an entrepreneur. I was just more concerned about, you know, getting this great product to the consumer and keeping people employed. And I overlooked a lot of problem, a lot of way of tracking my media. I, I, you know, I just overlooked some costs and I got, I tightened them up in June. I had four vendors that I owed money. And, but at that same moment in time, that's when the retailers started calling QVC and uh, Walmart, Bed Bath Beyond, all, all of them came calling. And they, uh, you know, the, then uh, w- within two months of that, we were on every shelf in the country overnight almost. Amazing. So when you came to that point of doing the infomercial, I would imagine, and I I don't know if this is true, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. You've been sort of in the trenches for so long, and yet you're getting this great feedback from consumers, but just still having a very hard time. And there were probably two or three or four or more points where you were just fine looking for a way desperately to make this thing get some traction and so then here you are well let's consider the infomercial and at that point gosh that's going to take more time and money i imagine some of your friend family and friends are saying gosh mike we're in too deep here and so i'm wondering going into that infomercial were you thinking boy this better work describe your state of mind at that point i i really I never have a plan B and that's, you know, for me, it's always plan A. And I just, my faith, I just had so much, once we did it, once we did the infomercial and I, and I, after the day we actually filmed it, it was, 
I just knew, and I and I was living in my sister's basement at the, in October 7, 2011. It aired at 3 in the morning, and I knew. I go, wow, this is this is exactly what I thought. It's like, you know, if you know, all it is is I, I just took the, you know, the product to the people, just like I do with them shows. It was just on a, on a so I knew because my shows were so successful. I can't say enough about sh- the show market and fairs of anybody that has a product. What a great way to to make money and to, uh, you know, they call it the trenches, but it actually, you can people, people do that. Uh, I have over 50 people work for me. That's all they do in their lives. They, they make great money and they, but I wanted to bring it to a bigger scale and I wanted to. So just by doing that infomercial, bringing it right to the people. And, uh, and that's what I've done in my commercials and stuff too. And it doesn't, you know, I've been very blessed that way, but it's, uh, it's a different way to, you know, not, not a lot succeed in that um, because it's such a, it's an industry where it's very, very tight industry, the, the commercial market and the infomercials. You know, I was approached by many people trying to take my product early on, you know, offer me money and, you know, trying to get X amount for my company or I'd be left with just a small percentage and they're going to take my invention and I wouldn't do that. So I would just, you know, if I, my advice would be to be really, be very careful. There's nothing wrong with uh, the trenches, so to speak. And then, and then going that route and bringing however you can get it to the people directly, because it seems to me the box stores will follow after you get after you get some traction. Let's get personal. So, Mike, let's get personal on a few topics. It seems that 99 out of 100 people just talk about starting a business, but they never start one. It's all show and no go. Starting a business is special and really highly unusual. What motivates a person like you, Mike Lindell, to stop just talking about launching a business, but then actually go out and start a business like MyPillow? What is that core inner drive? It seems like you own some bars and restaurants and then you went on to this pillow company. What is that motivation? Well, I think, you know, there's there I think there's two kinds of people out there. And I've said this before when I've talked to different entrepreneurs. There's an entrepreneur like me. I haven't worked for someone since I was in my 20s. And I was uh, I worked at a grocery store and I was I kept getting fired even though I was a great worker and he's and I didn't like the way he did it. And he says, "Mike, if you don't like the way things are, start your own business." And um, so I you know, reverse engineered every business I was in like I was the consumer. But the one thing, like when I started my pillow, it's there's no plan B. You know, I didn't have nothing to fall back on. If I, t- if you're an entrepreneur out there, or you're, or you, and you have a skill or another job, I, all I can say is why not take that chance? Because you can fall back to that. You can always fall back to that. I've talked to so many friends of mine and people that I see everywhere. They, you know, they'll go, well, I've got this great idea, but I'm afraid, and they, and afraid of what? You know, I mean. I'm going. You know, you can, you can fall back to your skill or whatever you're doing right now. Why not take it? You know, it's so rewarding when it works. It's just amazing when it works. And and even if you don't have anything to fall back on, you know, that's where you got to kind of give up. I guess you got to give up some of it, but you got to be very careful to give up some of your idea. You need. A, it's good to have a mentor, somebody that's been in that business, uh, a trusted mentor, and it's also good. To get, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes early on where I didn't, I didn't get legal advice, even though I can't stand lawyers. But I didn't get legal advice, and and I, and I, I cost me a lot in the beginning. That'd be the one thing if I could maybe change that I would have got that because it costs more later on. 
if you don't, but um, and that means, and I'm talking about if you get if you get uh, reach out and you have to end up selling part of your idea or whatever. You know, that's my biggest thing is I think, you know, anybody that's got a plan B, if if A doesn't work, why not try it? Why not try it? I didn't have a plan B. There's no, it's just so rewarding if, um, you know, if you, and if you fail, try it, try something else again, or go back to what you were doing. Nothing lost, nothing venture, nothing gained. Mike, what do you think, you've done some amazing things here. What do you think is your number one strength? Here you invented this pillow and you've operated bars and restaurants and done a lot of other things. But what do you think really was your key success factor, your personal number one strength? I think it's the passion. It's having the passion behind whatever you're doing. And my passion behind my pillow to be in this now for 13 years and still have the same passion I had on day one, I don't lose that. And people, it's people they, they resonate to that. They, they see that. That's why the commercials work. They see the excitement. And if you, if you don't enjoy what you're doing as an entrepreneur, if you don't enjoy it or if you don't believe in the product, it's not going to work. I, I don't care how good the product is. If you... Then you then you just will sell it or whatever and get rid of it because you need that passion. That, to me, that's so important. Did you ever envision that you'd become a CEO of such a fast-growing company? You know, I've I've always believed the my pillow is a platform for a much bigger thing. And uh, you know, I've got my foundation coming out now, and uh, God sent me in these this direction of helping uh, helping millions of millions of people, and so. I guess it doesn't surprise me. I've had miracles happen throughout my life. Life. I got a book coming out. It's called What Are the Odds? And I don't, you know, the stuff that happens to me, I don't, it's surreal, but it's not surprising. How's that? <laughs> Has your faith always been at the heart of what you do? Yeah, especially when he, when he set me free of all my addictions on January 16, 2009. I had one prayer and that's God. I want to wake up tomorrow. And I just never want to have the desire for crack cocaine or cocaine or alcohol or anything again. And and I woke up the next morning and and it was gone. And it was like the most peaceful feeling. And and uh, I surrendered that day. And it's just been a miracle after miracle ever since. And though was he always a part of your life growing up, or was there sort of a moment later in life where it had some more impact on you? Well, I think I think God carried me through all the all the bad times and all the you know the other times. I mean, I look back at all the miracles that happened. That uh, so I think He was always there. But the only time I reached out was when I when things were down and I'd have two dollars left on sitting on a mountaintop somewhere. And uh, um, I have quite a quite a history. And I think I was protected. But the only time I would reach out to pray would be would be if I needed if I was in trouble. Do you think people have to sort of hit bottom to have that sort of transformation? Um, no, I, I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to hit bottom. I think uh, I think people need more stories of hope and faith, and and uh, you know everybody's different. And for me, I was very stubborn, and uh, um, it took over. You know, it took a long time for me to uh, realize that these. If people look in their lives and they say, you know, wow, that was a one in a million. Wow, that was a one in a billion. Or wow, that I just chalked that up to that's. You know that miracle or whatever happened—that that's just uh, a coincidence. Well, when do you when do you add them up and when do they become a miracle? And I think if people look at that in their own lives, and don't just look at the when you hit bottom, you know, just come kind of combine them all. I I always look at uh, 
I always see things and I, I, I just use mathematics and go, wow, that couldn't have happened without God. With God, all things are possible. And, and, uh, and I think um, if people would look at that, I don't think they'd have to hit bottom before they, uh, before they realize that. Do you think it was your destiny to succeed with my pillow? I think it's a platform for a much bigger thing. Um, you know, this past year I've ended up, I've had the, the, the president-elect uh, reach out to me for a private meeting to, to talk about the, what I'm going to be doing with the inner cities and, the, uh, and, um, and how I employ 1,500 people in this economy. And that was, this was last August. And I got to be friends with Ben Carson and all these things. And, uh, you know, my friends, I'm, they're going, wow, I can't believe it. You know, here's an ex-crack addict meeting all these people. And and going to be involved with all these. I'm, I'm at my foundations in 80 countries now, and I've met presidents of countries that I've never thought that possible. I look back and go that you know, some days I wake up and go, is this, is this even real? It's like living inside a movie, you know. Yeah. Sometimes do you do you not look in the mirror and think I can't believe this? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just going. I'm going. This is amazing, you know. Um, and but I but I think it was destiny to to I'm glad that they made made the right discernment and didn't give up on the pillow because it was just a platform for this bigger thing that's coming and that's that's going on now and this is just the beginning and the not just to help people get good sleep but I just want to help people uh, in all in all facets of their life you know that's where I get my that's where I get my joy. How about your family and friends? Now, of course, a lot of people that have known you in the past now see you as you are now at the successful company. Do you think they see you a little differently now? And what does that, what is that like? That's a, I actually uh, put my post on Facebook today. It's my eight year anniversary of quitting crack. And I have a picture of me when I was up for days. And then I have a picture of me now. And my, uh, it's, it's it, the, the blessing to me is I had probably 20 to 25 friends that were crack addicts with me. And every one of them, Every one of them has followed my lead and quit. And what a blessing that is to me. And and it's like, wow, I never thought it was possible. And and they they've quit and all and it's just so, you know, I just keep telling my friends and family, this isn't me, this is God. I'm you know, this is uh this is what God can do. And the you see that I look at the two pictures and it doesn't even look like me and I I think back and going you know, some of the some of the posts I got on there, people are putting in there. My friends are going, "Can you believe how we were back then?" I mean, they can all they can all relate of how they were too. You know, and and the story of hope and the story of uh, my story is, um, you know, like I put on there today. I put, I just hope that someone else can look at that and say, "With God, all things are possible," and they can just, you know, look at their own life and say, "Wow, if not everybody's going to have the, this incredible." from crack addict to where I'm at, but, but, but any, you know, it's amazing. Any part of that is so amazing. It's just, uh, and that's what my friends, I see, I hear their stories of all of them and they're all this, they're, they're all the same age, you know, you're, they're all happy and that's where it's at. You must feel so much joy from that. And it makes me wonder what have been your biggest joys or your number one joy along the entrepreneurial journey, or what have you been most proud of? I guess changing people's lives and and uh, helping people. I've done shows where it's actually a casino event in Minnesota, and uh, I won't name the casino, but they have these big pillow pillow events. And uh, I was at one where they said Mike Lindell will be here, and and uh, I was there, and there was like four thousand people showed up just to tell me their stories. One lady had drove all the way from Mason City, Iowa, to tell me how the pillow had blessed her, 
how she was going to, how, the things that, I, I can't even say on your podcast have helped people so much with these different disorders. And which, by the way, I'm doing a sleep study now, the biggest in the United States history, to prove all the stuff that my pillow can do and help so I can actually say them without getting in trouble. But it's just been so rewarding for that. And then also the um, just the, the miracles that that they've that they've encountered with the, not just with the my pillow but by but by my story. And on the flip side, what has been your biggest frustration along the journey? Well, I guess my biggest frustration has been all the people that all that tried to that tried to attack me and steal the company and and betrayal, 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 betrayal. I can't even. I can sit here and it just doesn't end. Um, it's it's the betrayal, and it's um, it's very sad. It's very, very frustrating that they uh, that it goes on, and uh, it's greed. Uh, either greed or, or I guess greed and betrayal work hand in hand. That's been very hard for me when I go through that. Anytime I have to go through it, and it's uh, and it does. It's going to keep. It's the attacks keep coming. Um, I'm involved with one right now with a very big company that, well, I'll say it right on the air, the Better Business Bureau. I mean, they, uh, I mean, what a, what an attack. And have you had any self-doubt as you've gone along the entrepreneurial journey? I imagine you did. And, and how have you dealt with it? As, as far as self-doubt is, no, you know, I don't know if I had self-doubt. It was, um, like I say, I never really had a plan B, so I was going to make it work regardless. Um, you know, it was persistence. And did I doubt that it was that it was taking the right path? You know, or as far as the pillow, no, I don't. I don't believe I did on that. I guess I've. It keeps being more and more surprising. Going okay, now I'm now I'm going into this thing, and I'm going. You know, I doubt. Like okay, speaking would be one. You know, where I, they want me to speak at these huge, you know, ten, twenty thousand people. And I'm going okay, I couldn't even speak to two people in the same room before, so I doubted myself that I could do that. <laughs> there was my doubt. <laughs> Mike, as you know, starting a business is just so difficult. How has starting your MyPillow business changed you as a person, if at all? You know, I guess, um, I don't know if it's changed me. It's it's Because um, I've always really had that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I I had a carpet cleaning business once because my sister flooded a third story apartment store or apartment building and, and with a water bed and, and I and I then I had a lunch wing business. I've always I've always been an entrepreneur, done stuff out of necessity. Yeah, I don't think it's changed me. I've had different businesses and different things I've de- I've developed out of necessity since I was in my late twenties. And the part that's maybe changed is I have so much more joy because uh of what I've seen has helped people, and it's really gratifying that it's helped not just people get great sleep, but it's it's helped my friends, family. It's helped 1,600 people have jobs, and they there's just so many. There's just I guess that's where I've changed. It's just more a lot more joy. What do you think you've learned most about yourself since starting My Pillow? Well, I guess uh, that I can. Uh, I've learned uh, that I can be a be a speaker. Um, that I can that I can keep that passion for a long time. I guess if you believe in a product and believe in yourself and the, uh, the passion comes through. Mike, who has been most influential to you in your life, either professionally or personally? I would have to say God. I mean, that was a, a big influence. And in, in, uh, when I quit everything, I guess for, uh, if I had to go beyond that, it would be other entrepreneurs. I've had uh, 
um, Don Laughlin, who built the town in Laughlin, Nevada. I became friends with him. I used to be a professional card counter, and and I um, I would go to his casino and I would see all his marketing he did, and this there was a lot of things that he did. That, um, um, different. Uh, that was one entrepreneur that I looked up to. I had a I worked for a guy that had my first my first restaurant or my first bar I bought and restaurant, and uh, he. He taught me a lot of stuff. Um, Joe Wong, he taught me a lot of stuff. But there are different, different, like I say, different entrepreneurs. I can't say enough about, if you're an entrepreneur out there, ask other people that have been in like businesses, if it's a business or a product, and just get as much information as you can and talk to them and ask them and just whatever they say. Um, I've, You know, when I used to be in the bar business, I had bought and sold like four or five bars, and, and I could learn someone, learn something from each one. And each bar owner. And um, when I did my lunch wagon business, I had uh, I learned from the guy. I didn't, you know, it's it's not just the due diligence of running it, but run talking to someone. What's the what are the mistakes they made so you don't make the same mistakes? That's one of the biggest things. Um, you know, what were their successes? What were their mistakes? And and that saves time. It's not, you know that's a huge time saver. And the other thing too is um, if you're a product, I can't say enough. I know we didn't cover this earlier enough. If you're if you have a product, there's there is nothing better than the trenches of the the show market and the state fairs and the um, home shows, home and garden shows, because you get to hear back from the people directly how they like or don't like what you maybe you have to tweak your product. They, you know, just getting that information is so so. It's not how many you sell there; it's it's getting the feedback that's so important. You know, it's so important. I totally agree with you. I've been in the trenches that way in launching a couple of consumer product companies myself. And I often draw a parallel. A lot of major rock bands or performers have said that their playing in bars and restaurants for years have really helped them hone their craft to the extent that when they get into the major arenas and stadiums, they can really work the audience the way they need to because of that early experience. Oh, absolutely! That, a good friend of mine's uh, his band, um, Bob Seeger and the Sober Bullet Band. I, I'm good friends with them, and they uh, there's a per- perfect example of that. How they went, uh, you know, in the bars for years and just and just didn't give up. Bob just never gave up. You know, he became one of the biggest legend, legends in rock and roll history. That's for sure. Finally, Mike, did I miss any questions that you feel like you'd like to provide answers to? Or do you have any closing pieces of advice for our aspiring entrepreneur listeners? Yeah, I would say, you know, if it's a product, I would say, you know, make sure you get a provisional patent or at least mail the idea to yourself and don't open the envelope so you have something before you start talking to people. Another thing is um, I would definitely learn from other people that are in that business, whether it's service entrepreneur or if it's a product. And really, some people you trust. Be very careful, and then if you and if you do have to sell part of your idea, make sure that you have um, get that legal representative representative in the beginning. I didn't do that, and it almost cost me everything. There's that's so important, and taking that product to the uh, to the home shows and fairs. If you, I can't say enough good things about that because you're hearing right from the people, right? And and and, and I would say the other thing is. Make sure that whatever you, whatever it is, that you look at it from the customer's point of view. What would you like to have in that product? What and, and the problem solution. You know, problem solution. What are the problems? What are the solutions? And then reverse engineer it. That's the most important. 
Mike, you've been through the School of Hard Knocks a number of times. That's the best type of experience that you can have. It's been such a joy to talk to you today. You've been a terrific guest offering some great stories and advice to our aspiring entrepreneur listeners. Congratulations on your success for your entrepreneurial courage and persistence. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us today. Thanks for having me, John. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business. 